Good morning, church. Good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. Please stand with me if you are able as we come together and worship through song.
Please be seated. <laughs> I was just looking to see who fell. Well, good morning. Now that we have your attention. Okay, we'll use that in a second here. But thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us online. We want to come together and worship. Uh, we want to come together to pray. We want to come together to, to look into God's Word. Uh, a little bit later today, we are going to have, for, this is just a reminder, there's choir practice afterwards, so that you, you know, so you remember that. And then after that, after that we're going to go over, the church council leadership's going to go over in the other building, we're going to have lunch, and we're going to sit down and talk and just kind of uh, look at where we might want to go. So just uh, be aware of that. So this morning, we got unsettled by a little crackle of the sound system. And our brothers and sisters in, in Ukraine are, are worshiping in Subway. You know, and, and the sounds that they hear are louder than that, and they're bringing, they're bringing destruction. Uh, this hurt your ear a little bit. Uh, my biggest concern this week is, is there's no snow this Thursday, okay? Um, not whether my home's going to be there or whether my country's going to be there. So we're going to pray, and we're going to pray for them. Now, I, you know, sometimes I, I will say that, that we might, we're probably all guilty of this. Well, all I can do is pray. Well, I don't know if you realize it's the only thing that you can do. Okay, when, when we looked at the events that unfolded this week, I don't know about you, but I, I thought back to Nahum, the book that we just came out of, and I thought how that, that God acted and brought, brought judgment against um, a nation much like um, Russia is at this point. And so... Uh, there are times when, when God took leaders out overnight, the reference to Daniel. But there are times when leaders repented, as in the book of Jonah. So my, my first prayer is that, that all the world would see Latimer on his knees repenting, realizing that there is a true God and he is not one. And that he sent his son to die for the sins of even Vladimir. But if that's not the case, then I pray that God would act in a way to push this back and make his glory known to the whole world that's watching. And so, our God, because, you know, do you realize as you watch the, the news and whatever you're watching, they, they're talking about all the things that, that you know, it's like, it's like, it's like after the baseball game on AM radio, right? We know what we should have done. But even in all the things that we can do, it's not what God can do. And so I want us to think about that as we pray. And so know that God can take care of that. Whatever's on your heart that's not um, Ukraine, whatever issue that you're dealing with that's on 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 the side of that, know that God can take care of that problem. You know, we're all focused on Ukraine. Whatever was going on in China, with the, and I, I can't, I, I don't know that I'm pronouncing it right, but I read it, it says Ugar people, the people that were 
in the encampments that China has that we had the Olympics in and everything's fine and they're not doing anything wrong while in the meantime they're doing things wrong. God's aware of that. God's aware of what's going on in North Korea. God's aware of what's going on every place in his globe. And he's not walking around trying to put fingers in holes to deal with leaks. God, quicker than you can snap your fingers, can take care of all of it. So as we pray for Ukraine, know that God, God's thinking of things beyond what you're thinking of. God's taking care of, of things beyond what you're thinking of. God is going to take care of you. And as we pray, we pray for the, our lost friends in Ukraine and in other places, um, who, the lost people that Jesus came to die for that need to hear the message of salvation so that they are prepared for whatever comes, because we never know what that day would be. So if you want to join with me in prayer, I'm going to kneel to pray. If you want to kneel with me, that's fine. However you want to do that. And I know our pews are not made for that, okay? But I, I, I want to emphasize that the thing that we can most do is to pray. And then as, as we listened to Scott, he talked about his grandpa. His grandpa would pray for rain on a 90-degree clear day, no cloud of sky, but he took his umbrella with him because that's how you pray expectantly. So think about that. Let's pray. Father, we I'm not worthy to stand before you today. None of us are. But Father, we thank you for the blood of Christ. For being able to come before the throne because of what you've done before for us. Father, I, I Lord, it's it's everywhere we look, um, it's stories about Ukraine and its people and our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Father, your creation whose lives are in danger. Father, we we see the situation. We all, I suspect, have theories on what needs to be done. But Father, I, I know that you know with wisdom greater than any of ours. What is the right thing to do? Father, we pray first for, as I mentioned earlier, Father, you sent your son to die for, for Putin. Father, I pray that he would repent. Father, if he does not, Father, I pray that you would act in such a way that would bring glory and honor to your name and safety to the people of Ukraine. Father, that the world, the watching world, may see you at work, Lord. And Father, that, that none, of its world, none of the world leaders could take credit for what you do. Father, we, we pray with an expectation, Lord. Father, we, we pray that you would work in this midst, Lord, as you've done countless of times as we've read throughout the Scripture. Father, you were in control not only of this situation, but other situations that some were aware of, some were not aware of. The atrocities that man does to man. And Father, just pray, Lord, in the midst of all of those, that you would work. Father, in the midst of our concerns, 
Father, I pray that we'd see your hand at work. And Father, for those around the world who do not know you, Father, we pray that someone would witness to them. Father, for the people that we are praying for, those people that are on our heart, Father, that each of us are praying for, I pray, Father, now that you would give us an opportunity to share the gospel before it's too late. Father, we give you the praise. We give you thanks, Lord. Father, help us to, to rise up and watch and to see your hand at work. In Jesus' name. Please join us again as we come together and worship through song. Please stand if you're able. Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. Oh, he has done great things. Great. 
took my sins and my sorrows and he made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. Singing Oh, my. 
All right, we finished up Nahum last week. Uh, we're going to go, we're going to spend some time in John, okay? We're going to spend some time in John. And, and we're going to start in the middle of the book. I know that we have been for a while walking through an entire book. But what I want to do this year is, you know, Easter is April 17th, just so you can get ready for that. Resurrection Sunday is how I prefer to call it. And, um, and so we're going we're gonna to spend time in the book of John working from the triumphal entry this morning, and we're going to work through the cross and the resurrection and do that. You know, years, we've been doing this. We haven't done it for a while, but we did a preaching lab. And when it came time for, for the month of, uh, the month that whenever Easter fell or Resurrection Sunday fell, we'd ask the guys, well, here's the deal. You got, you got Resurrection Sunday. What are you going to preach on? Because you got the cross, you got the resurrection, and you got everything in between. So I'm going to take some time and spread this out, and we're going to look at it in, in the book of John. Matter of fact, this picture here that provides our background, I believe the significance of this picture was it was the Easter that we did not have services in-house. And so one of those times when I, when we, I took pictures that morning, and, um, and this is the background that, that we're providing there. So uh, with that in mind, here it is. Uh, this is the last week, okay, when you, if you're following through in a study Bible or something like that, this is the last public ministry of Jesus. Last public ministry of Jesus is what we read about in John chapter 12 and then following. If you've got one of those Bibles and if, or if you have access to that, I'd encourage you to do that. It's to follow in, in when they call it uh, a parallel. Uh, so not where, where they put down the, here it is in Matthew, here it is in Mark, here it is in uh, Luke, and here it is in John, and see how that flows. You'll see that John Lee, John is the guy who runs kind of on his own drama, right? So you'll notice that there are gaps in there. There are things that he includes that others do not include. But we're going to talk about the triumphal entry, the cleansing of the temple, teaching in the temple. This is what, that last week, all this goes on. Jesus shows up and cleanses, he, you know, the, the triumphal entry that we're going to read about. Uh, we're going to read about the, the cleansing of the temple that takes place. I'm not sure that John includes that. The teaching of the temple, the Last Supper. John goes into a, lo a longer discourse on that because he talks about the conversation they have at the table, the conversation they have on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. So there's a little bit more detail in there. The betrayal and the trials and, of course, the cross. And our favorite is the resurrection because he overcame death 
for us. Not only did he give his life for us, but he overcame death so that we might have eternal life. So just a little bit of, a little bit of background. Here is a picture uh, taken out of my Bible stuff. It's the triumphal entry. That was Jerusalem in Jesus' day. When we got to take the trip to Jerusalem several years ago, we got to see a model of it. And we saw that uh, how the model was right before the temple was destroyed. And the city had even expanded past these walls. There was an outer wall on the side of that. Gethsemane's on the outside of the city, but in the model, Gethsemane's on the inside. So this is just a little idea. This is the Mount of Olives. And that's the, the path that he would have taken down into, into the temple area. So here's a picture of it about three years ago. You can see that it's now developed. Okay? Uh, there were a lot of things on that side. Uh, the, the road has walls, etc. That was on the same discourse. That's what they told us. This is the way that this was the path. It's probably been paved over a couple times, but this is the path that Jesus would have trod. So that's the triumphal entry. So when we look in the book of John, I told you when you're comparing the three of the, the four Gospels and you look at the story of the triumphal entry, that John actually has the shortest version of these. And the reason John has the shortest of these, he doesn't go into a lot of detail about the, the, the animal that Jesus wrote on. Because in the other Gospels, it tells us about how they're going to find him tied up, etc. And you're going to go, and, and they do, and it's great. Because what is that that we've been talking about when, we, when we're talking about any of the Scripture is Jesus knows, God knows the future. So, so it wasn't like Jesus had to walk into town, and, well, I think I'll ask him to come get this donkey. He didn't have to go. He knew before the donkey was birthed where the donkey, that that was the donkey he'd be riding on. That's powerful stuff when I think about it. So John doesn't go into a lot of detail, but we're going to read what John writes for us. And remember, each of the authors, each of the gospel authors is appealing to an audience. And there's a reason that they write things that the way that they write. They want to get something across. So what we want to do is we want to learn what, what is John trying to say to us? about the events, not only of the triumphal entry, but of everything leading up to the cross. What is John saying to us about Jesus? Because Jesus was real him, right? He walked with Jesus. We get to walk with John as we learn about Jesus from the book of John as he records that. And not only, not only how many of you forget things, right? Because John doesn't write this as a diary as he goes along. He doesn't record it with his smartphone so he can look back over, oh yeah, this is what we did that day. He didn't have that. He has something better than that. Better than a diary, better than a smartphone, better than a recording. He has the Holy Spirit speaking into his life, moving the, the, the pen on the page, so that John would write down exactly what God wanted to write down. That's why we call it the inspired Word of God. All right, so let's read here in John chapter 12. We're going to read in the beginning of verse 12 through the 19th verse. On the next day, the large crowd who had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took the branches of the palm trees and went out to meet him and began to shout, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. 
Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it as it is written. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's coat. These things his disciples did not understand at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of him, and they had done these things to him. So the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify about him. For this reason also the people went and met him because they had heard that he had performed this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are not doing any good. Look, the world has gone after him. So this triumphal entry follows when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. I mean, it got people's attention. And so they went out to meet him, and this is the triumphal entry. And when we read this passage that John writes, we, one of the first things that, that grabbed my attention was the popularity of Jesus. You get that? It's a large crowd went out with the palm branches. I love this. You know, in years past, I'd walk up on the second floor, Bob Sunday, and invariably one of the teachers would have palm branches out. And they would, they would reenact with the little kids the, the triumphal entry. I almost thought about going up there because there might even be a palm branch up there still left over from, from the props that they had. And so, interesting enough, I, I didn't do that. But that's, that's what's gathered there. This, this large crowd is, is gathered. The crowd of people that have come, the crowd of people who saw what Jesus did to Lazarus, and the crowd of people that heard about what Jesus did with Lazarus. The, the people, hey, you need to come and see this guy. And they're out there. And they're crying out, Hosanna. And they're laying down the palm branches. If you've watched the movies about it, right? It's a large crowd. It's a jubilant crowd. They're gathered together. They're welcoming. They're welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem. They're welcoming Jesus. You know, the Super Bowl just happened. If you happen to catch one of those videos of the parade, that's the kind of atmosphere it is without the pickups, right? And, and, and the cars and things like that. But Jesus is coming in. And he's gotten the attention of the people. He's hugely popular at this point. And popular on the approving side, right? Because later on, there's going to be a crowd. And I, said, I wrote up here the popularity that will fade. There's a crowd that's excited about Jesus in the triumphal entry. And there's a crowd on the other end of this week that is equally excited about having him crucified. So things change during this week. But at this moment, in the triumphal entry, the King of Kings is welcomed as He should be. Welcomed as He should be. Think about it. When He returns, He'll be on a white horse. Much bigger than the donkey. Much, much more glorious than that. But at this time, He came on this donkey and the people recognized Him and cried out. Now, what's the plan? What's the plan? Well, in, in, if I look at this stuff that's going on, the king, th this, this quote that they, write, they, they, they recite as Hosanna, comes out of Psalm 118. The reference to king of Israel is not in Psalm 118. It's in the verse that we read a little bit later, but it's not in that actual verse. Out of, they added that. Now, we understand that when they were thinking about a Messiah, what were they looking for? 
They were looking for somebody that would come to, come to Jerusalem, would lead a, rebel, a revolution, and throw off the yoke of the Romans, whoever happened to be in power because they'd been looking for a guy that long. They were looking for that guy that God would send to be like David and make them a grand kingdom once again. And so when I think about his popularity, it's, it's like this. They were looking for a king, and that's what, they, that's what they saw when they saw Jesus entering into Jerusalem. He was the king that they were looking for. I mean, he raised the guy from the dead. Surely he could throw off the Roman Empire, right? He healed the sick, made the blind see. This guy, this is the guy that's going to do that. And he's popular. Think about it today. Because who's G, when, when does Jesus become popular with people? When Jesus becomes to them what they want. Think about that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock some of our, 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 my brothers who preach the gospel, but who preach it to the end that it's going to make you rich. It's what we non-affectionately call the prosperity gospel. But it, Jesus is real popular when He's going to get you a new pickup with lots of chrome. Jesus is real popular when He's the end to get you that nice house with an in-ground pool in the back and somebody to take care of it and you don't have to. You see what I'm saying? It hasn't, cha hasn't changed when we put Jesus and we make Jesus who we want Jesus to be. All of a sudden, Jesus is popular with us. When Jesus doesn't deliver on what we want, we move on. Those people sitting in the pews listening to this wealth message, when the wealth doesn't come, they stop showing up. Because they didn't connect with Jesus on the cross. They connected with Jesus at the bank. Same thing that you and I, we do the same thing. We come to, we come, we come to Jesus with our problems, and it might be a sickness, it might be something else, it might be a financial issue. And we come because we know that He can provide. We understand enough about that that we know that God has the power. Guess God can, can put it in the ground pool in the back of your house. But you see, when God doesn't deliver like we think that he, we want Him to deliver, He doesn't give us those things, He doesn't heal us, He doesn't do that, then we move on to try something else. Because Jesus is just one of those things out there on the shelf. You know, you get, one, you, you get, you get a cough, right? You can't get rid of You tried the halls, then you try this. Well, let me try this thing off the shelf. Let me try this thing off the shelf. And we just keep trying. And that's what we've done with Jesus at times. Is we've, what we've done is we've looked at Jesus like they looked at Jesus, and we make Jesus into what we want Jesus to be. And when Jesus isn't what we want, to be, want Him to be, when we have to walk through the persecution, when, we're not, when we have to get up and go to work the next day because God didn't put the money in our bank account, then we move on. And that's where these people were at. They were, Jesus was popular because this was the end of the Romans. This is the restoration of our kingdom. He came, and John's going to make it clear to us as we walk through. The title of the series was For This Purpose. 
which is in the next section that we'll look at. But Jesus came to Jerusalem not to be an earthly king, not to temporarily make things better for a lifetime of an earthly king, but He came to make things better for you and I for an eternity. To deliver us from a bondage that's far greater than the bondage the Romans could put on anybody. Far greater than, any, far greater than the bondage the Chinese government or the, Ro, or, or the Russian government can put on somebody. It's the, the, the bondage that you and I, every man and woman who walk the earth, will walk the earth and has walked the earth, it's the bondage to sin. And that bondage to sin separates us from the one who created us to worship Him. He came so that we might be freed from the bondage. We could not free ourselves. Try as they might, Adam and Eve, once they realized what they had lost in the sin, could not get back into the garden. That relationship could not be restored. They couldn't be good enough to have God open the door and say, come on back in. God had to send His Son. God had to send His Son to be born of a virgin in a manger, to walk this earth, to teach and to preach among the people and His disciples. And then to come to Jerusalem this week to be betrayed by the one that was His follower. To be betrayed and put on the cross by those who claimed a closeness to God. Jesus came. His, his plan from before He got there, before you and I were born, before those people was born, was to come and die on a cross to give His body and shed His blood that we might have forgiveness of sins. That we might have the bondage from sin broken, not because of what we've done, but because of His blood. You see, that's the triumphal entry that they didn't recognize. Because Jesus came not to overcome and overthrow an earthly government, Jesus came to overthrow and put to an end a spiritual kingdom of darkness. That's the triumphal entry. The cross and the resurrection. That is standing on the podium celebrating victory when He walked out of the grave. In this passage, we also see the opposition to the plan. You know, if you've followed God, if God has called you to do something, it doesn't ever work out like you and I imagined that it would, right? Things don't flow as easily as we'd like. Uh, the doors just don't fly open. The road doesn't get smooth. It is because we have an enemy who works against the very plans of God. And as Jesus came into Jerusalem, we read at the end, John points that out. This little side discussion amongst the Pharisees. You're not doing any good because look at this. Look, you know, you, you were going to take care of this. 
He's more popular now than ever. His popularity grows. We need to bring this to an end. That was the discussion that the religious people had about Jesus, the Son of God. The Pharisees that worked to put him on the cross were the same ones that sent Paul out to, to take care of the church. Glory to God that he would still consider repentance for these people as he did for Paul. But this is the opposition that we see. So know that when we serve God, when we try to be the church that God wants us to be, that we have an enemy that's working against us. Don't give up. Persevere. Because on the other side of the cross was the resurrection. Jesus didn't say, hey, this is too hard, guys. He persevered, and on the other side, we have the resurrection. God has the power for us to overcome whatever stands in the way, whatever opposition stands in the way. What does Jesus, what does John teach us about Jesus? Think about that. What does John teach us about Jesus? I mean, we could, we could focus on the people, but John, we, we need to be reminded as we read our Bible, it's not necessarily about the people in the Bible, it's about the God of the Bible. And so what does John teach us about Jesus? Well, as we read through John's recount of the story, he ties in what? References to Zechariah and the Psalms. Why? Because he wants to remind us that Jesus riding into Jerusalem is a fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus on the cross is a fulfillment of the prophecy. Jesus out of the grave is a fulfillment of the prophecy. So what does John teach us about Jesus? That Jesus is a fulfillment of the plan of God. That he brings those things about. And I know now that Jesus is fulfillable. I have the advantage of hindsight, right? I can look, I can look at my, 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 my Bible and it makes all those references. When I'm reading about Jesus, it refers me back to the Old Testament passage that tells me that Jesus fulfilled the Scripture here. In this, in this moment, he fulfilled the Scripture. As a matter of fact, notice that John said, hey, we didn't get it at first. John didn't say, well, I got it, and they didn't. John said, we didn't get it. We didn't understand what was going on before our very eyes that Jesus was fulfilling the Scripture that we longed to be fulfilled. You see, Jesus, I know that in hindsight what Jesus has done. So when I look in Revelation, when I look at Ezekiel, when I look at Daniel, when it talks about the end times, when I, when I try to comprehend the trumpet sounding and, the, and Christ rising first, then we which are alive being caught up and together with him as I read about the white horse coming through the clouds, I can't explain it. I can't, I can't draw you a good picture of it. I can only tell you what the Scripture says. And there, there are prophecies about how it's going to look leading up to coming back through the clouds. I don't know that I'll know very well how close it is. I do know that it will happen. It may not happen like I expect it to happen. But it will happen. Those clouds are going to open up. We're going to fly up in the air. Popularity built on misconceptions. 
You see, there's Jesus. And then there's the Jesus the world wants him to be. It's a misconception. And there's a difference between the two. And which one is the truth? It's the Jesus the Bible speaks about, not the Jesus that the world wants. The opposition play a part in that story. Matter of fact, isn't it interesting? The opposition thought they were going to take care of Jesus once for all. But the opposition, the Pharisees that stood there, sought His life out, were part of the plan that God was going to use to bring about the cross and the resurrection. It's amazing as I thought about Russia and I thought about Ukraine and I thought about Nahum and Nineveh. God raised the kings up. God took the kings down. God raised up the opposition. God used people that were not part of His plan, not followers of His, to be part of His plan. You see, these Pharisees became part of the plan all along. They had a chance to repent, but they did not. They chose to put Him on the cross, but that was God's plan. What do we want to do with this? What do we want to do with this? What are the action steps that we want to take? Because it's cool to talk about the triumphal entry. Matter of fact, I think if, you, if, you, if you're going to do the Bible app, you're going to see in there that, that one, of the, one of the passages and one of the study notes that I put in there is uh, the, the author said this is uh, with the resurrection and the birth, the triumphal entry is the most noted thing about Jesus' life. And so with that, here's what I, I want you to think about. Here's the things I, I would love for you to answer and think about and dwell on. How is Jesus misconceived today? Because guess what? There are people that are shouting hallelujah to a Jesus that's different than is in the Bible. How is Jesus misconceived today? How would you explain Jesus to someone? Think about it. If, hey, do you know Jesus? And they say, well, kind of. What would you tell them about them? I mean, if you ran out somebody on the street and they asked you, hey, what's your music like at church? Well, we got this guy, Adam, with a guitar. How would you describe Adam to somebody? He's big and tall. I mean, you know, how else would you get? He's got a beard. How would you describe? Because you understand, you describe people that you're with. How do you describe Jesus to somebody? Think about what that means to explain. Because people need to hear about Jesus, right? And if they've never met Jesus, they don't know anything about Jesus, they haven't read the Bible, who's going to tell them about Jesus? You know, say, here, read this. I mean, that's like somebody asking, well, tell me about your music guy. Well, if you look on Facebook, you can see his picture. Well, that's not an answer, is it? You're going to tell them something more about that. I mean, because guess what? On, on, the, on the video that we put, we never put Adam's name at the bottom of the page. I mean, they could be misconceived and think, I'm Adam. You know, we don't want that. We don't want Adam's reputation tarnished. You're going to have to explain something so they know the difference. Don't hand them the Bible and say, read this. Tell them about Jesus. Okay, tell them about Jesus. And the last thing I want you to think about is having a conversation with somebody about the triumphal entry. When might that happen? Today, Elena came in with a drink. And, the whole, and th th it was funny because the youth department was trying to figure out what Elena had in her cup. And Elena goes, it's something to drink. 
okay? And that was about the extent of it. So mom came along and said, it's coconut something or another, whatever. And, you know, boom, what, what's that give you an open door for? Well, in my mind, coconuts are associated with palm trees. Palm trees associated with Jesus. You know, you do this thing, connected one thing, connected another. Look for the places that Jesus gives you an opportunity to talk about him. Use that opportunity. You like coconut pie? Well, let's talk about the palm tree. Okay, let's talk about the palm branches that they had down. And triumphal entry, the king. You want to talk about somebody that's king? Let's talk about Jesus, all right? Use those opportunities to get to a conversation so you pick their interest and they want to know more about Jesus. Because guess what? This week, you'll have an opportunity to talk to somebody some way. God will open the door and give you a connection. It might be a coconut drink. But God will give you a place to have a conversation. And that's where when you, I asked you the question, how would you describe Jesus? It begins to play in. We have a world that needs to hear about Jesus. And you are the one that God has commissioned to tell that story. Let's stand and sing. I want to give the invitation. Today, the invitation, I will say this. The invitation is open for you. God God may have worked. God may have called you to be a missionary. God may have called you to be a preacher this week. I don't know what God has done in your life. You answer today. God may have called you this morning in Sunday school or on your drive here to pray for a particular person. It may be of their sickness. It may, may be of their lostness. I want to invite you to pray. Maybe you just want to pray here for the people across the ocean. But whatever it is, know that you can pray here and that we will pray with you. Age to age he stands And time is in his hands Beginning and the end Beginning and the end The Godhead three in one Father, Spirit, Son The Lion and the Lamb The Lion and the Lamb How great is our our God, name above all names, worthy of all praise, my heart will sing how great is our God.
great is our God. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Thank you guys for being in God's house. Thank you for praying where you're at. Thank you for worshiping where you're at. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, again, we give you the honor and the glory. Fathers, we sang how great is our God. Father, we sing that to you. Father, we long for the day. We anticipate the day that we will stand, Father, because we know you as Lord and Savior before your throne. Father, help us to to share that joy, that promise, that hope with those around us, those that we encounter this week that do not know you as Lord and Savior. Father, they might understand what it means to be saved, what it means that you came to die on the cross, what it means that you were resurrected from the grave, and what it means to give their life to you to repent. Father, we pray, Father, your mercies on us this day. Father, guide us and direct us. Father, bring us back before you to pray continually this day for the things that are going on in our world, things in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's a reading for this week. I'd encourage you not only to pray, but to read. And here they are. So do those. You're dismissed. Choir, meet down here. The other group's going to meet over there in a little bit.